Welcome to She's Having an Episode, a podcast dedicated to TV's very best female characters. I'm screenwriter Layla London. I'm journalist and writer Ashling O'Leary. And today we have a juicy, juicy character. But before that, tell me how are you, my Ashling? I'm good. The hair is up, you know. I was out for a walk this morning. Just then, it's just very frizzy, frizzy vibes out there. Uh, <laughs> I'm currently sporting a very Teletubby look, and it's excellent. Uh, Podcast Teletubby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and otherwise, feeling a bit sad. Sinead O'Connor has left us. Oh, I know. It's, it's a little devastating, isn't it? It's actually a huge loss. I just, she's so, she took up so much space in Ireland's cultural landscape. She really was, she burned bright. She's a real pioneer, well ahead of her time. Mm. And it's just momentous. This lo- I just, I, I think, yeah, we're really, Ireland, like, obviously, is very much feeling it, but the, the whole world is really just chiming in on how how important she was to various conversations and yeah it's tough i totally agree last night on my way back from london i decided in my not infinite wisdom that i would put my little earphones in and blast nothing compares to you on my journey home (laughs) and i just started crying i was like why have i done this this is the wrong attitude to take no you gotta feel the feels oh no i you have to lean into the emotion of this because it is very sad um I haven't actually put on her song. I just actually started, you know, you know, on the ground this morning looking at the different stories and people just like uploading various songs. Of her. And I just was like, oh, like on the precipice of wanting to cry. But I was just like, because, you know, these stories were only like, what, five seconds at most. I was just like, <laughs> you can just like kind of skip through and it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the music will get you every time, won't it? That's, oh, that's the I lesson know. learned here. Because Sinead is a real backdrop to my upbringing you know is she that makes sense yeah I mean like you know she's in the mix along with some other artists but you know I think for everyone like globally like nothing compares to you will just forever be on the back of their mind somewhere yeah I it's it's funny you say that it's a backdrop to your childhood because I think the stereotypical version would be me assuming that you listen to Sinead and Enya just every day of your life Yeah, had a little shrine set up for them. <laughs> actually, actually, no, the shrine was actually for Britney, but uh, <laughs> wasn't it for us all? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Shall we get to our character of the week? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, go on. Lead us in with the intro. <laughs> well, this week we are discussing Grace Williams from Bad Sisters, the incredible Sharon Horgan adaptation of the Belgian show Clan. In fact, the show had so many fantastic female characters, we could probably dedicate an entire season to it. Alas, just one for today. Grace, played by Amory Duff, is the sincere second eldest sister of the Garvey family, long-suffering wife of John Paul, also known as the Prick, and so much more. 
even if he didn't want her to be. As a mother, a sister, and human being, first and foremost, Grace's story left an enormous impact on us, making us inevitably go, well, she's having an episode. Ashling O'Leary, my Irish sister, <laughs> talk to me about the perfection that is this character and this show. Right, so fun facts shall lead in with that. Uh, fun Always. fact number one, uh, I once saw Anne-Marie Duff on the tube. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, blindsided, love this fact. <laughs> yeah, it was a morning. I t- I'm tempted to say Monday because that was the vibe on the tube. And that was absolutely her vibe. It was like, give no fucks, like, you know, just in my own world. Don't speak to me. Well, not even like not aggressive. Don't speak to me vibes. But it was just like I am a normal person who is just like on my phone and not engaging. But here was me <laughs> across the way, being just staring at her like, oh my god, it's Amory Dove. I love. I just because this is after Pat's sisters obviously come out, and uh, yeah, I just was uh, floored. It was really hard not to reach over, tap her on the knee, and be like, listen. <laughs> loved your performance <laughs> yeah um, what, what was she wearing reading what was her, what was her vibe she's staring into the abyss like we all tend to do on the team. oh no oh no hon like like most of us she is glued to her phone <laughs> <laughs> there is that tube traveler too yes yeah uh so she's on her phone scro- like i imagine doing i don't know was she texting was she scrolling uh just oversized hoodie and like tracky vibes and where was her hair i think it was down i don't think it was up and Hmm. yeah that was that was it yeah interesting i love this i i (laughs) it's amazing you didn't say anything i think it's so hard not to isn't it I mean, I just, that was the thing. I, I respect her so much that I just was like, no, she's clearly in a mood where she does not want to talk to anyone. She is just like, <laughs> she's having her morning. She's dealing with shit on that phone of hers. I can just tell she's just like doing whatever. And I was like, no, I'm not going to annoy her on the tube. I will not be that person. I was slightly hoping she would get off the same stuff as me. So then I'm like, okay, maybe that will leave. I can follow her home. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to admit talking on a public platform. But however, if should the opportunity arise to just casually glance at her and be like, hey, really enjoyed your show. Yeah. Uh, enjoyed the performance. Um, yeah, but no, sadly, that opportunity did not arise. And so I had to love her and leave her and got off at my stop and she stayed on. God knows where she was going. Yeah. Oh, God, I love that for you. What a, what a lovely thing to experience post Bad Sisters too. A oh, little, little flash of reality after her, her very interesting journey. Um, more facts, <laughs> more facts. Right. Um, and let me just pull up my docs here. <laughs> Um, oh yeah. So, uh, they made their own map of Ireland. Uh, so a lot of, I mean, Irish people in particular watching this show will be like, where, like, what is this town? Like, as in you get the sentence, obviously Dublin, but it is just like, where are they? Like, where are they going? And so, yeah, they made their own map of Ireland. Uh, so you have, 
a lot of it is North Dublin. So you have Eva's house in Hoth. Um, they filmed a lot in Malahide and in Skerries. But then they're always going to the 40 foot, right? 40 foot is in South Dublin. Scaries is like pro- like much further north into Dublin, right? So if you're going from Scaries down to 40 foot, like the way they depict it, it's like they're just kind of like going for a 20 minute drive down the road. No. <laughs> <laughs> it is like- what would the actual commute be like? Right, from Hoth. So I'm not actually from Hoth. So I had to do a bit of Google map and be like, right, what was the transit time here? So apparently it is about 50 minutes, not factoring in traffic <laughs> host to 40 foot. But then from Scaries, it is like a definitely over an hour from the Scaries to 40 foot. This is the beauty of fiction, right? You can just be like, this is our version of Dublin, which is definitely, and they definitely kind of look towards big little lies, sort of just, um, mm. Because they wanted to just really show the beauty of Ireland and the landscape. I mean, it's not hard to do. Come on. Um, but, you know, it's gorgeous coastlines and gorgeous properties. But oh, yeah. Also, but Bibi's house was in Northern Ireland. So. Interesting. Oh, I yeah. love this. I It's so interesting to think, too, because I don't know. There's very few countries in the world where people will drive an hour to experience something beautiful regularly, right? Mm. And it's definitely not a London thing. It's definitely not really an England thing, actually. But growing up in the sort of Midwest American sort of nonsense, we would drive an hour to experience something, you know, beautiful, even if it's even if it's an hour away. <laughs> I don't know. I feel so maybe like... it's possible. Maybe not. Mm. Maybe not. Mm, yeah, we yeah we would. I just, I think like from a London perspective, the, driving an hour like you'd be stuck in traffic an hour before you actually like get anywhere decent. You know. <laughs> true. True. Yeah. Those car journeys are never pleasant. No. No, and it's also like you're on a train for an hour, but sometimes and you're still in uh, London. Like just. <laughs> We're all jaded by the commute. You're just like, oh, is there anywhere actually? Like, you need to be going far out to be getting somewhere. Um, is that the point where they have their s- swims and their jumps? Uh, so the 40 foot uh, in mm. Dun- Dunleary in South Dublin. Interesting. So, okay. yeah. Uh, what else as, a, as our only Irish woman on this podcast <laughs> uh, did you pick up from your side of things that other people wouldn't? Oh, I think, do you know what it is? It's like trying to think of the, all of them right now. I'm just like, I can't even confuse, but it's like as we we'll go along during this show, I'm sure they'll crop up. But I want to bring in my other third fun fact, right? <laughs> um, so I'm just going to read out a tweet from Sharon Horgan about, uh, so... <clears throat> A busy day on the set of Bad Sisters with director extraordinaire Dervla Walsh um, with Costume Supremo. Basically, they're trying to work out the best size for the pricks post-portum priapism, a.k.a. Dead, <laughs> dead boner. Too small and you can't see it. Too large and it just upstages the corpse. Also an issue, slope needed to balance the wedding photo. <laughs> <laughs> that is... I mean, A, a wonderful tweet. B, what a beautiful piece of BTS. <laughs> uh, I mean, sorry, I mean that's BTS. <laughs> sorry, behind the scenes. For, um, yeah. The the funeral. Speaking of that fact, too, is the perfect way into this series, isn't it? 
Oh my God, massively. I just think like, yeah, it because it it starts off with the death of this vile, vile human being. And it's uh and it's it just it already it just like it lets you know, right, he's dead, that's the storyline, and then he just like backtrack from it. And in terms of setting up where sympathy should lie, it's immediately with the widow, um, uh, Grace. Also known as Grace. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just the fact that she's just like making all this food and she's just kind of like looking real sad, like, you know, forlorn dog at the window or something with like the owners are gone. And then she sees this erection and she's like, oh, fuck. Uh, like it just like immediately gets you laughing and also made me think about politeness in death it it was um it really pushes boundaries you know it's like i just was thinking you know we're already dealing with such death is such a taboo right and then then you're seeing this erection and you see this wife trying to like cover up the erection trying to be all polite about like oh no it's it's not proper it's inappropriate right and then it's just like sure listen like we're already just got such a taboo in the room like surely like we are looking at a dead body so (laughs) maybe the erection is not that big of a deal (laughs) (laughs) like whatever like (laughs) no you're so right and i think it's really important for this show to get that comedy in so quick because what we are actually dealing with here largely is one part sort of a murder mystery we know that he's dead we don't exactly know how he died even though the suggestion of course is one of if not more of the sisters killed him and it's a domestic abuse story so if we're not talking about penises and we're not doing ridiculous things from the get-go this could have been a very very dark watch but the beauty is the balance between that comedy and that darkness and that feels inherently irish to me Mm. oh yeah 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 good observation (laughs) (laughs) sorry just testament to your people (laughs) glad you picked up on that one Um, (laughs) yeah no you're so right because at funerals there is such a joy You, you know they're never very very sad we always find I mean, obviously they can't, they are sad. Um, it is always sad to see someone go, to see someone leave us, um, especially if their time is before them. But we ultimately do try and find the lightness. We want to commemorate their memory. We want to remember the good times along with the, along with the bad. Although it's funny, we want to, I'm just thinking about, you know, we don't so much, we try not to focus on the bad times. We might focus on the like, I, I'm just thinking about how it's sometimes maybe difficult for people to find the good. And that is certainly, I mean, in the, the in the service for the funeral, the priest is highlighting JP's, all of his like, quote unquote, outstanding, you know, citizen properties. Achievements. Achievements, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing where there's a, it's like that's too much light and it rings so false. Because actually this man was not light. He was at just a just piece of shit, like worse than shit. Like just like not even worth going under your shoe. Like he is just, you don't want to touch him. 
So I think actually that is a really good contrast. The priest highlighting only the good things. It's like, babe, no, like there was mm. only shades of dark in that man. And Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so, <laughs> I think it's so well handled because it's incredibly clear from the get go, even within those sisters sort of reactions to that man, how air quotes bad he is but then we do see particularly through grace's perspective sort of in retrospect he is an awful human being not only to grace but to all of them and i think one of the things that makes grace so interesting as a character is there's so many moments through this series where she seems to understand this is a terrible man she knows she's being abused she has a clarity within herself and as soon as she's with her sisters it's all apologies and oh, we can't we can't judge jp for his behavior it's like the most finely tuned portrayal of a woman in that situation i think and obviously domestic abuse takes a lot of different forms but the sort of baseline psychology that's been put into that character I couldn't imagine a single person who's seen anything of abuse in their life that didn't go while they fucking nailed it, you know? Mm, actually, funny you say that. So, uh, I, I mean, not funny, but the... the <laughs> not sorry. funny, not, except a little funny. <laughs> terrible, terrible phrasing. It's it's just more that and what I want to try and bring in is the fact that this this show did it did such a good job of portraying domestic abuse that when Anne-Marie Duff was walking through Hampstead Heath, this area in North London, um, after the show had been aired, she said she was walking through the heath and a male running club was running past her. They stopped and talked to her about um they wanted to talk to her about the coercion in the show, and it just she just totally didn't expect that they all wow. said they realized that they knew someone that they, they had witnessed similar things that had experienced something similar and weren't able to articulate it but through the show and through her story they were able to talk about it wow oh the power of good tv guys yeah yeah <laughs> And Anne-Marie Duff, who, to be fair, is the best face actor in the world, even when she's not saying anything. You're like, well, that is a poem on her face. There's just unbelievable talent in that woman. Oh, I know. I know. And actually, do you know, she initially wanted to go into singing. I think it was like she's very young. I want to say like nine or 12. And she goes to her music teacher saying, you know, I want to take singing seriously. And the music teacher actually like considered her and was just like, no, I think you've got the soul of an actor. You should go into acting. Oh, yeah. Props to that teacher. I know. So <laughs> then away she went. <laughs> away she went and all our lives are changed forever. I was just going to say, just back to the domestic abuse. It, like it's a, it's actually a, a longstanding cause for Anne-Marie Duff. She starred in a movie in 2006 called Born Equal, uh, which is about a woman trying to escape a violent relationship. And she re she it's in getting into that character. She realized the importance of the story, got in touch with women's aid and started visiting different refuges. So it's something that's very close to her heart. And you could tell 
in interviews, these the cast and the characters that they feel so strongly about how important this story is to the conversation, especially mm. because it was being filmed during the pandemic when you had a massive rise in domestic abuse. I've got um, the American Journal of Emergency Medicine um, reported that domestic violence cases increased by 25 to 33% globally during the pandemic. Holy shit. I know. Oh, yeah. that makes my blood turn real cold. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, stop it, men. I mean, yeah. it's not always men, but like, let's be, let's be real. Um, yeah. There is a lot of John Pauls out there, isn't there? Yeah, and that actor, oh, he, what phenomenal casting. So good at what he did. Yes. It, truly, truly, that man I don't think could walk down the street without getting the vengeful looks of women everywhere. <laughs> There was there was no moment in his performance that you didn't believe that that man is a prick. Mm, yeah, yeah, I know. So let's let's also think about the idea that because of Grace's home life and the situation all the other sisters are so concerned about, she sort of becomes the target of them, not in a negative way, right? But these are these are people who love her and want to care for her and want to see her safe and mm -hmm. she's not willing to or she's not ready to perhaps make that change herself uh so they decide <laughs> to kill him in a sense uh, and come up with a lot of plans uh that don't go well because great tv um but i think there's something really interesting to discuss in the idea that obviously that's something they've decided to do out of love but it makes I don't want to use the word victim, but at that time, a victim of somebody's behavior almost feel worse. So often the dynamic in these sorts of relationships is it's painful to have other people see that there are flaws in a relationship, particularly when they lead towards abuse. And as a, as a human being, I think our our instincts are to defend the people we love. That's sort of what her sisters are doing, right? Mm. She loves this man who is abusive to her. She's trying her best to push through it. It's really complex and it's really painful to watch. But when she has also a very sort of diverse group of sisters who have different reasons that they personally dislike him, some incredibly serious reasons, it's almost like she has to take the load on because they can't discuss his behavior with him. They can only discuss it with each other, which others her in that group, or to her, which makes her a target in a sense, or mm -hmm. the person responsible for making the change to make them all feel better. It's really complex sort of interpersonal dynamics. We assume this, this character has experienced this for at least a decade of her life, probably more he's probably always been that person but it certainly seems within her marriage that over the last few years that's really when the behavior ramped up and up and up and just your your heart breaks every scene she's in every scene a sister is in to think god this is her load to bear and it's so unfair mm. yeah it's really difficult to witness and um just the way he wears her down, just 
it's really excruciating just mm. you know scene where it's a work party and they there's like a, it's like a, there's a game they're in some like cabaret bar um situation and um there's a drag drag queen hosting the event and um asks um Aunt Grace to home a tune and like gives her like the card to and she and like so JP has to guess right and is the worst position he could be in right because he's not good at this game he's made he can be he can look weak he might not have the right answer oh no god forbid he'd be wrong and also because um what is it it's a competition right so um Ava and BB have already gone and they've like they've won their round where then you have Grace and JP and JP feels the pressure of oh no if I lose this then the sisters are gonna win and so Grace is humming this song and he just explodes after a while being like sing it Grace oh my god you can't do anything right and she oh just like that poor woman her face she's just like she's just such perfect casting because she's just got this very frailness about her and she's kind of yeah that's it and at the same time i think the the duality in her as a character is really trying to in those public spaces be there with him have a great time let it be quote a good night when they have so many bad nights right so she's putting in all of this effort she's she's clearly trying her best but she also knows it's a game she's not a sociopath like he is Mm. so she's she's willing to admit that oh maybe they might not win but isn't it fun to try and the fact that he can't get to that realization means the onus is completely on her again unfairly and puts her in a position where she's publicly castigated by somebody who outwardly the world sort of thinks is a nice charismatic guy Mm -hmm. it's just it's painful so painful oh yeah I just there's there's nothing there's nothing really else to say isn't it just like the portrayal is intense and could have been way too much at times, but also within mm. the sort of relationship that she has with her sisters, a little bit more palatable because maybe at least we know he's going to die, right? Yeah, it is so <laughs> true. It is so, there is a little bit of comfort to be taken from that, from the beginning. You are like, he's going to die, great. But then every, every time you just see them being thwarted in their plans, you're like, oh my God, he's still alive. Um, And it just like, it's, it's really aggravating and i think what's really heartbreaking is just what you said is like seeing her she's supposed to have a good time she keeps trying she keeps being like surely he'll be like i what i'm thinking of right now is the um the lizzo concert she takes oh, oh it's just annoying Ugh. um so she takes she takes blamid to lizzo uh courtesy of ava a very kind <laughs> gift and they go and they won't tell dad because dad's away in Wicklow. Dad doesn't want them going to Lizzo because, you know, Lizzo is, takes up space. She's a woman who's totally like in charge of her own self, her own body. She is extremely sex positive. Lizzo is probably who Grace is deep down and that person has been lost mm. in JP's shadow, you know? Mm, so true. The girl loves to dance. The girl loves to dance, which we <laughs> which is touched on, like I think in a later episode. But so at Lizzo, JP calls and 
she can't not pick up. She wants. She so wants his approval. It's uh, uh it's just it's so gut wrenching. And so she picks up the phone, and Blanid is like, Blanid knows what's already coming. She just mm. and so the mom is just like no wait like you know to say it to him and it'll all be fine and because we're already here so what can you say and then of course he is livid and um that just sets the tone for the night she just keeps she keeps losing the trust of others in trying to placate this man doesn't she She especially her daughter actually yeah yeah i think it may have been the first or second episode. I can't remember the order, but when JP finds Blonde's bra, assumes it's her first bra, and goes off on Grace about it, when actually Blonde's had to go to her aunt, Eva, to ask for that bra. She doesn't trust either that her mom will do it for her under the sort of control and coercion of her dad, or she wants to protect her mom in case... Mm-hmm. That inevitably does come out, right? And then it's not her mom's fault. It's such complex, brilliant writing. Mm-hmm. And I think Grace really loves her daughter, right? It's very clear throughout. She really wants to have a good time with her. She really does want to support her. She is dealing with enough already. And the daughter is seeing that with more clarity than she is and is doing everything she can as a young child, realistically, Mm. to try and protect herself and her mother. And unfortunately, Mm. her aunt is often the victim of trying to do so. Yeah. Um, Blonnet is exceptionally lucky that she has those sisters and those aunts. Um, You know, she has support. She has people she can turn to. Like, the, the, the saving grace... Of Grace. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um bumps. Mm, are her sisters. Like if mm. she didn't have siblings, she'd be like her relationship is lonely enough as it is. If she didn't have her sisters looking out for her and caring for her, she would be she'd be lost. She'd be like she'd just be she wouldn't have the help that she got in the I mean <laughs> help quote unquote do you murder a man? <laughs> 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 some sort of internal help yeah 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 um but that honestly is that shows like the power of family and community and the thing is you can't always choose your family i'm aware of that so mm. they're very lucky that they're all very close and the fact that they all live within driving distance of each other that is amazing um just to have that support and you know just to be like oh can you pick up my kids and you know they like that's not something to be taken lightly and it is ultimately again grace saving grace uh it wants to pull her out of the dark and absolutely yeah and it's great that blonde has that because I would have loved to have grown up with my like aunts closer to me I think to have had a bit more of that sort of relationship you know like there's comfort in that yeah absolutely and I think obviously as Ava is it Eva or Ava is it Eva oh I don't I think you can go either or (laughs) (laughs) Eva slash Ava um her choice to be so close to Blanid even though she has been terrorized by that child's father for Mm. for a number of reasons really again shows how much she loves grace 
and how much it means to her to protect her and her children. It's really beautiful. Um, as somebody with two Irish sisters, do you see <laughs> a lot reflected within your own family? Yeah, parts. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, thankfully, um, my parents are not a JP and Grace situation. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. No, uh, they're the best. Yeah, ex yeah top notch um but yeah i um i just i often look at the five sisters and think wow what's it like to have five sisters you know like i, I just i can't fathom like that's that's it's so many like this because <laughs> i feel like in particular irish women are really chatty and, so, <laughs> and, so, and you see that at the various dinners they're having it's like they're the ones you know, dominating the table in the conversation, right? Oh, definitely. So, I love those dinner scenes. They are oh, magic. They absolutely are. And uh, it's great. There's just strong, witty women and loads of opinions. And I love seeing that on screen. And the, I often think like, Jesus, if there are five of us young ones, <laughs> <laughs> how that would roll out. Um, yeah, just, I do think, you know, there is an openness that, I don't know. Like, I just wonder about a part of me is just thinking like, I'm lucky because I'm, I get on with my sisters. I'm close with them. But, you know, I just, I wonder like what, do, what you, you know, having grown up in America, Maybe. what do you see as like, is there anything that separates that makes it so distinctly Irish watching those sisters? I I think, again, I'm a only child, have a half brother, so it's a very different dynamic to my own <laughs> unit, extended unit. But I think the sort of families I've been around, both in the UK and US, I suppose, have a level at which they know not to push past with each other. So there's a limit if somebody gets upset talking about a relationship or a job or, you know, all of those inevitable family difficult discussions, there's just a sort of learned point where they go, okay, well, we can't talk about that anymore. Within Irish families, everyone is willing to go there. And I know it probably makes it more difficult but I think it's the better way to be. People are more upfront. People can make a joke about a difficult thing. I think obviously your family, I've spent an excellent amount of time with and love them all. <laughs> and I see it within you guys, but it means that you're more communicative and that you will maybe love more fiercely. Mm. And that may not be true, obviously, for every Irish family under the sun. Obviously, there's no homogenous nature to where we where we all grew up. But it's something I've seen often, and it's something I really like. Mm. Yeah, it's funny. It's like I have to hear the objective perspective in order to be like, oh, yeah, that is us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, feeling that. Because, you know, there is something very like we're very emotional for sure. Like we're very like, you know, quick to get angry, quick to we're very open. Uh, we're an open family. And I don't that I that is definitely not the case for a lot of families uh, in Ireland. But, but also in terms of I'm just thinking about my parents and then us three sisters, we are I think we're engaged in a lot of different conversations that we just like want to bring to the table and be like, well, parents, what do you think? And then, and mm. then sometimes, and a lot of those conversations, I think with what's happening today can sometimes prove um, 
tricky. Um, but it's really about approaching them with an open mind and just being like, and then actually what you said about there being a point about like not talking about a relationship or a work situation or yada, yada. I think like there is a point where we know, like, how can I put this? We'll push boundaries. Oh my God. Yeah. We will push each other's buttons like nobody's business, <laughs> but we'll also learn to step back and be like, okay, like that's enough. And you know, we are, we should all like retreat and reflect. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which is a positive thing I think for, oh, for yeah. all people everywhere definitely yeah but I cannot imagine being in a household where you don't we talk like jack shit where you talk about nothing like those wasps I cannot fathom the wasp life I am like what is that <laughs> no I went to I went to the park today oh was that nice yes okay shall we have dinner yes lovely no I think I think yeah there's there's much more life yeah there's much more life in an Irish family isn't there oh yeah different turns obviously within Grace's family unit that life slash energy is inherently negative and awful and probably the only answer is killing a man so different strokes for different folks yeah Yeah. how do you think with Grace and the prick Mm. Do you think there was love until the end? Oh, what a question. Uh, love, love, love. I oft, I wonder about, I think there's, there has to be love somewhere. I just wonder about when they met, what that relationship was. You can imagine Grace would have met this dashing young man, God knows where, and would have been head over heels, you know, very charming, very handsome. And he slowly erodes her. I just wonder, do you know what? From his side, no, he does not know oh, what love was. No. He doesn't know yeah. what love is. He is, Agreed. it's so false. He is so controlling, so manipulative, very unempathetic. That's it. I think on his side, you you can't love a person without respecting that person. And he shows no respect for her, her daughter, her sisters, her basic human needs, right? He is true blue sociopath, narcissist. Man does not know what love is, but is the sort of man, unfortunately, that whittles down a weakness into someone and then spends years taking advantage of it until that person is a shell of themselves. And it's, yeah, it's nasty work. Um, Cause clearly I, th- I mean, you may not agree, but I think she really does love him even, even towards not to the end, but towards the end. And I really think it's only until, <clears throat> excuse me, it's only until JP admits that he raped her sister, that the, you know, the blinds are pulled. She's been thinking it's love. She's been feeling love at some point, And those feelings perhaps got confused um, and muddied within the control and the coercion. Um, but I think to, to be a support of a person that is so harmful to you and the people around you, there's only, there's only a deep emotional reason, right? That you're you're feeling that that's necessary 
And that might be love. It might be protection. It might be a combination of all of those things. But I think that's why relationships like this in the real world can also be so difficult to navigate for people who end up in these situations through no fault of their own because their large emotional you know, core is something really positive and hopeful. So for somebody to turn that into something nasty and dangerous and abusive is incredibly conflicting and complicated. You're right. I do think she felt love for him because there is so much joy in Grace. Mm -hmm. And she truly, there's so much hope in her. She really wants to believe. And I just had a thought about, I wonder if JP provided some sort of father figure for Grace. He, you know, they lost their parents young. That is the backdrop to this story. It's Ava who's had to bring up the kids uh, or bring up the sisters. And I wonder just the fact that he calls Grace Mammy. (laughs) Oh, This is the worst thing in the world. No, I just and uh, I it, it's it's very it's very old that it's a like quite traditional you know that thing about call like that thing calling each other mummy and dad like did she call him daddy actually? I think she might. I think she might. Maybe the I think she does the odd time, but mostly it's JP or John Paul. He calls her mammy all the time. It really turned my stomach every time it happened. I gotta be honest. <laughs> Yeah, but I wonder, it's just this idea of maybe him being a father, you know, the fact that he's older, a bit more worldly, like maybe at some point, like it looked like he could provide some comfort. Um, mm. Then just the fact he, quote unquote, lets her stay at home to run the house. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. No, I think you're I think you're onto something there because also with Ava being the oldest and Grace being the second oldest, she's had someone very close in age to her acting as a parent to her too, right? Mm. So any ability she might have had to look after people, I wouldn't say it was taken away from her by her sister, but her sister took the responsibility, which probably left her feeling a lot of grief, a lot of questioning around her place within that family unit too because you also have quite independent sisters within that unit right you have obviously at the top Sharon Horgan's character can't have kids you have Ursula who's the wife of Donald mom of three having an affair a little bit less reliable than the others but still quite good-natured beyond the affair um Bibi who's a lesbian also has a young child. Uh, Becca, who's the youngest massage therapist, sort of more flighty all over the place. Within that unit, they all have very specific roles. And Grace's, as far as we can tell, is just being the wife to an awful man. Mm. She's not been allowed to have much of a life outside of her marriage, right? She's quite literally been kept in that house Mm. to serve her husband's needs. And maybe that does keep you in an abusive relationship longer because you're losing your sense of self, aren't you? You're living in a shadow. You're being told you're not enough all the time. I think it's some of the most 
interesting moments within it to see her having fun or having a good time around her sisters or her daughter or her neighbor dancing in the garden. Uh, (laughs) I think you just see glimpses of a person that she either was or could have been, but hasn't been allowed to be, which yeah, could mean that there is a sort of service he's providing her um, that she doesn't necessarily realize or comprehend consciously yeah maybe he provides this the idea of her being young you know she she must have met him at quite a young age very tender maybe like discovering the world for the first time outside of the home and you know every time she's with him it it, because he's so shit he she, she must have to go back to that time when she met him and be like oh no he did this and did that and he provided this for me provided that for me I also wonder if he was the first man to like awaken the erotic within her to make her feel desired desirable like that can have a very profound effect on someone especially Mm. someone who might have felt potentially a bit lost within the sister dynamic uh but the thing is obviously throughout the season we see that you know he they don't ever really have sex whenever she tries. It's so painful whenever she tries to go to him to like, to in any moment Get it on. tenderness. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm like, she's so, she's definitely someone who says make love. And, um, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> absolutely. And, um, oh, he just always turns away and it's just, oh, or it's, criticizes her. Yeah, That's, yeah. It's so awful. You see that within relationships in all sorts of different ways, mm-hmm. don't you? I think people's sexual drives obviously move apart from each other, but this is someone who's using her sexuality as a weapon against her. And yeah. that is so, so disconcerting mm-hmm. because he's he's basically saying the purpose that you have to me is also the thing that is awful in you. It's really abusive. <gasps> oh, when you put it like that. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, it's gross, isn't it? Um, So how glad were we when she killed him? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my days, massively, especially when they did um, the paintballing event for his birthday. Uh, And I love that she sent texts around around to all the sisters being like, do you get my texts? Are you available for JP's birthday in two weeks? I mean, like, I just... all of this man to like organize something <laughs> for his birthday i'm like you have no friends fuck off um yeah. i just like he doesn't deserve those sisters. he doesn't deserve that family like they oh, are no oh wow they like they're wasted on him like as in it's just like he's such a drain on their lives and he's such a sore and the paintballing when uh he switched the games up and they're all wearing a jumps, uh, a boiler suit. And in a, one of the breast pockets is a rabbit's foot claw. And that means that person is the rabbit. And the aim of the game is to shoot the rabbit, shoot the bunny. And of course, it's Grace's breast pocket that is the rabbit's foot. And so she's the bunny. He orchestrated that for his fucking birthday. Because he is the worst <laughs> he is so perverse he is awful but i want mm. to go back to those moments of joy because you're right those are gorgeous moments but i realize i always feel really tense in those moments because i i know they're so short-lived i am just like what's around the corner <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Oh. We, yeah, we will never, I mean, hopefully in season two, uh, but in season one, we would never see her have a lasting moment of self-assuredness or confidence or joy, would we? No. And it's funny how he phrases the, that the house is her kingdom, right? She is a queen. I just, it's such a, it's such a device. It has been a device for, that has trapped so many women. It is a cage. And uh, she is, and just again, because of her stature, her physique, she really does have this air of a bird trapped in a cage. And oh, yeah, I chills. know. <laughs> <laughs> Feel it deeply. Yeah, I know. So yeah, and those moments where, oh, just like when she went to that dance class and you see her, she used to love, she talks about how she loves to dance. And you see her in this dance class and you introduce yourself by dance in this open circle and it gets to her and she's so stiff and awkward and she cannot let go. Mm. She's not in her body. She's so in her head. And then she just up and leaves. She just can't get on with the class. That's it. It's being so tightly wound, right? Because just her enjoying herself has been a problem in her so-called kingdom. Her taking time for herself has been a problem everywhere. Her having opinions, her having relationships. She's not been allowed to live a normal life without judgment or criticism. So even though she is technically on her own in that space, she has the shadow of JP on her. Mm. Oh, funny you say she's the shadow of JP in her because at one point he says she's just a shadow on the wall. That you created, you fucking prick. <laughs> what is wrong with you, man? Good riddance. <laughs> Die. Oh, you do. Excellent. <laughs> no, yeah. truly. And obviously we're not condoning death here. These characters are very morally ambiguous, but that man deserved to die. It's on, on, but this is the thing, like in, in like everything you read, it's so rare for a show to lead you to the conclusion that the only way that this the only fate for this man must be that he dies because mm. they just it, there's no re, there's no redeeming qualities about him whatsoever at every twist and turn he does something that's that bit more perverse that bit more manipulative that bit more devastating mm. uh, that's so true yeah, and you really are just like, no, there is no other way for this man to go. It is honestly like Trump. It's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> there is no redemption whatsoever. Yeah, that's, he needs a bit of bad sister action. <laughs> Imagine. You think Melania and her pals are like, you guys, got an idea. Watch this Apple show. <laughs> oh, my God. That is a TV show. I want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously she kills him. That's mm. no spoiler. I was really sort of conflicted in the fact that she was crying after murdering him. And I don't say conflicted in a judgmental way. I just thought it was a really interesting choice for a character. Obviously these things are written to scripts. I think it was an interesting watch seeing her be so devastated by this, you know, crime, this thing that she's just committed. But I think there's an interesting question and I don't know if there is an answer. Maybe there will be in season two. 
of either feeling the guilt of doing something terrible or my preference, like she finally got rid of the thing holding her back and that those tears are actually probably quite joyful tears. Mm. I think it was actually a massive moment of catharsis. I think, I think, I, I honestly think it's a mix of the two. There's got, there's so many emotions wrapped up in that. There's definite guilt about killing the man she has spent, the man she's had a child with, um, the man she spent like so many years with. But yeah, ultimately, I mean, how the, just what a weight off her shoulders. Literally, this man who has destroyed all these different relationships uh, just cause so much grief and sorrow. It's finally gone. Mm. It's an unbearable lightness of being. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. mm, She's suddenly free. And now it's, she has choice now and it's all hers to make. She doesn't have anyone to answer to. She doesn't have to make any compromises. She does not have to hear any future little, th- like, just, you know, every now and then, like, she'd always be hearing something about what JP did. He's like the, a naughty child, you know, just mm. all, there's always something going on about JP, JP, JP. And she can never get rid of it. And then finally, poof, like, that's it, gone. <laughs> With the tying of a scarf. <laughs> There he goes. Yeah, I actually just, yeah, to the scarf, I was thinking about this and actually I just was like, never underestimate the domestic or, you know, just about being... (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, I just love that she fucking, like, it was like, obviously she killed him. Was it um, it a pillow initially? What what was it that she killed him with initially? I feel like it was... Maybe it was, I think it might have been a pillow. Or like a shirt. Or no, it was was definitely something like under his neck. I don't think it was a scarf yet. It was like, because then she, did she go back down and she was knitting again? And then she's watching the film. And then gets the idea. God, that's it too, isn't it? The fact that you've murdered someone and then you're knitting. (laughs) (laughs) We have unleashed something very troubling in Grace. (laughs) Oh, oh. <laughs> it is interesting. I think it's one of the the questions that I'm truly fascinated about seeing in season two, right? So we end, obviously, JP's dead. We see her move in with her sister, but we also know that Matt knows. They've decided not to make the insurance claim, which has sort of been the thing that's been driving the mystery slash investigation throughout the series. So the insurance won't be a problem but the insurance guy still knows and that could be a massive problem and is somebody who's been knitting after murdering someone then gonna try and kill that guy i don't know i don't know <laughs> hmm <laughs> it's like have we turned something on is is it gonna be like bad sisters to the i don't know the murder series <laughs> oh yeah i don't know I'm really excited to see it. Time will Like it cannot come soon enough to my screen. I know, I know. know Where do you think she's going to go after this? Uh, Grace. Yes. 
I really hope it opens up with her in a dance class and she's properly given it. Like she is slut dropping all over the place and she is like fully in her body and you know, we'll probably like backtrack to like how she got there. Um, <laughs> um, she's she's doing like slut dropping karaoke to Truth Hurts by Lizzo. That's my dream. Yeah, and I, I, I almost want to see her on some like trauma recovery retreat. Like I, I want her <laughs> some sort of rewilding situation, but has like... <laughs> This is so the you version of Grace. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, I just think like she needs to just get back in tune with her body, with nature. She's been extremely disconnected. She's been she just she's just been moving through the house. She's been listless for the last like decade or so. She's mm. been eroded. She needs to come back to herself. So how do you get, you know, she's had her sisters like so they'll be there but it's like how she needs their other they're gonna have to be other means for her to reconnect with her prior self her young um uh her inner child and that's gonna take a lot of her own and her own child right Mm, yeah yeah they're gonna have to do some mother-daughter vacay yeah (laughs) (laughs) in the rewilding retreat of Mm -hmm. coastal ireland yes Yes. God, that'll be beautiful. I love to see that. Yeah. Um, yeah, just it'll tie in. I think that would tie in nicely. I was thinking about how just the um, the adaptation of this as an Irish show, I think what really stands out is, I think, yeah, the underpin, I think, and then like what obviously intrigues Sharon the most is the the religious aspect, right? It's like mm. the, the morality and which rings most clearly in uh jp although he's coming at it from more of a is he a protestant he's it's more of um like christian background anyway a bit more severe and it's funny yeah this idea that like this guy is like preaching so many morals is so immoral but i do, and also filming in ireland like this retreat would do well because there is an element of mysticism in Ireland, you know, we've got a deep, long history. <laughs> and you can you see that, like, you know, throughout the series, like the the episode where um, Ava's burning photos around this cauldron-like fire pit. And even the music throughout the show and the rabbit claw, I just eat the dead animals. I There's something quite like, I, I don't want, I'd probably say like pagan about it or something like it mm. is it's really tapping into a very old Ireland like it, just through little suggestions definitely I I think it's one of the things that makes it feel so rich as a concept too because you know without people like Sharon behind it that really pay attention to those details I think you could have had a series where it felt like just a bunch of women were really mad and wanted to murder someone. But the fact that it feels so authored and intimate in all of their lives, and we really do spend a lot of time intimately with each of those people, not only facing their own challenges within life, but looking at how that man has affected them individually. It's so carefully curated and so pagan (laughs) really Mm. is the only way to describe them all standing by a cauldron those moments as particularly visually i mean the director on this is so incredibly talented 
at again showing it is like a coven mentality almost that these are women protecting each other doing everything they can to protect each other to the farthest limit they are pushed to which is murder and obviously very extreme done in a comedic way but the ideologies feel very yeah ancient and coven like yeah yeah um absolutely totally agree with all that um yeah credit so dervla walsh did the first block and she's the one responsible for because it's such a rapport like there's such a com- um camaraderie between these three these five sisters just in terms of like the actors and how they built that bond it's just apparently it was very immediate but like the so the director dervla she set up she was the one that instigated all that uh she set up the whatsapp group uh she got that they're all swimming together because and then in the title sequence you have like there's loads of photos of them right and so they had to take you know loads of selfies together and yeah then that all feeds into this idea of just like just very strong bond of sisters it is yeah the coven and and also just the fact that it is quite like it is quite macbeth like it is just like we're gonna go kill someone Uh, (laughs) (laughs) it is very dark and uh but it's not it's really not afraid to go there and i love how it pushes the boundaries like that you know they push it just enough it's never not believable i think is the thing yeah yeah and that's the thing it's a wild concept right it's a sort of thing somebody might go at the pub oh there's a show about these sisters who kill one of the sister's husband and you're like what 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 why is that a tv show and you sit down and you take in all the careful details that sharon and dirbla and every beautiful actor in the show has committed to and you're like oh that's why it works mm. yeah, yeah. 12 ver- out of 10. yeah uh in your version of season two what is where are we finding grace what is she doing like where what is she doing what is she up to <laughs> I'm now very on board with this rewilding retreat. (laughs) But I I do think uh, there has to be an element of mystery, right? One of the things that took us through those difficult themes was the mystery behind it. We know one of these sisters is going to kill this man. Which one is it? And we need a strong... I say we, I'm like Sharon and her writers (laughs) need a strong version of this uh, in series two. But I don't know if it's worth doing another murder. I think because we know these characters so well now, it may be that something happens on this retreat that destabilizes them. It could be something that happens with the daughter. I'd personally love to see that because I think this is also a young girl who's not only witnessed abuse her whole childhood, but probably sort of knows her mom killed her dad. And even if you hate your dad, that is a difficult thing to choke through, you know? Mm. Um, so I think if we, we again, <laughs> the proverbial we, uh, if the show took a multi-generational approach, maybe with the daughter, with the sisters, trying to move past this enormous event, um, I think, yeah, there's a lot more opportunities to play with the what happens next when the murder is done. Ooh, I wonder if the daughter will try, like, unconsciously date someone coercive. Oh, and if that, it'll be an unpicking of that. I don't know if, it, if that's too, like, too close to home, like, too much, too, is it too repetitive? But, uh... 
even as a small storyline that would work you know if yeah. if there is something other massive going on and the b or c storyline is this young girl in her trauma starts making decisions that they've all made and regret it could be quite an interesting sort of wider theme around how we pass trauma onto each other within family units as well but mm. you know if you want our thoughts hire us sharon uh, <laughs> we are we are fully available for all your needs <laughs> right. no i think yeah there's there's so many places this could go and whatever mm. they decide is going to end up being intensely watchable i truly cannot wait it's one of the best things i've not only watched in the past year but have ever watched absolutely i just actually wanted to put in that I think that this show is quite possibly the very first depiction of a lesbian relationship in a modern day Irish fictionalized television story. <laughs> yes. Um, because you're right. You are right. I can't think of a single other one. Yeah. So went down a few rabbit holes because I was just like, surely in 2022, this when it was aired, uh, this is not the first depiction. And um no, I realized that, so it's mainly been, so LGBTQ culture has definitely been explored in various TV shows you've had. Um, you've had Can Cope, Won't Cope, and which is a show set in Dublin there. But other than that, right, you have like the odd like gay male relationship. But I'm watching, I'm re-watching Bad Sisters and I'm looking at Bibi and her partner and I'm like, hang on, I really don't think I have seen an Irish lesbian relationship on screen before. Wow. I know. Yeah. And BB is such an excellent character. Yeah. And funnily, she was the lesbian in Rebellion. <laughs> oh my God, was she? Sarah Green. Yeah, yeah. Love that. No, she's so incredibly talented. Yeah, and she's a great actor. I think we've talked about some other queer characters already on this series mm. uh but we really do see bb as this fully fledged person that has such a large full life her sexuality is almost a non-issue maybe for jp because he is a prick but apart from that the sisters couldn't give a shit she has a kid she has a partner she has trauma and that's sort of the most important thing for her to unpack, at least within this first series. But her sexuality is just there. It's just sort of part of the thing. And isn't that the perfect way to introduce another queer character into TV's wide landscape? Mm, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I just love that. It was just like, it was just, it, it's not the storyline. It's like, I'm queer and in this relationship and we have kids. Like, that's it. It's not, yeah. It's just, you know, I'm... A human loving someone else <laughs> just like all the straights out there <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. we're all people in the end <laughs> oh my god wouldn't it be funny to see grace be like so bb about lesbianism uh, <laughs> how does one give that a go <laughs> huh yeah i wonder if it has ever popped into her mind actually <laughs> It, it would be really fun oh god that would be another great season two turn two yeah it if, was if grace again was sort of just stuck in a relationship really not knowing her feelings leaves it and like many women do when they leave relationships with men right go god i wish i was just a lesbian maybe she just has a try dips a toe in 
even just think I'm even thinking about Ava I'm like I could see that <laughs> the whole sisterhood becomes gay and season two <laughs> it's a little Russell T Davies for us all yeah <laughs> I think that's a, that's a good vibe yeah <laughs> it's a good vibe I in fact like none of the sort of heteronormative relationships in the show are very good are they they're all a bit sad I mean <laughs> <laughs> Where do want to even go um <laughs> even Ursula's husband like yeah. he's sort of the best of everyone else isn't he but still not great and Matt was an awful love interest for Becca in my personal opinion um yeah none of those straight relationships are very good it's funny because say that the man isn't good but I'm also just like the women aren't great either do you know like obviously oh, we no. love them but they also like they're also <laughs> deeply flawed <laughs> I just I would prefer to spend time with them even though <laughs> they have they have some problems yeah oh yeah they're way better crack like yeah you'd be spending your nights with them now you wouldn't be like could you imagine like spending a night with the lads versus <laughs> the lads being like Ursula's husband and JP <laughs> <laughs> what a terrible evening for anyone anywhere <laughs> nah man you're going out with the girls that's it <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, love this show, man. I know. Well, I can confidently end there because I've said everything I want to say so far about the show. So <laughs> Wait until next season and we'll have a whole new set of theories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll be back. Yeah. Amazing. So we should uh, probably wrap up the show now. So Let's do it. Thank you guys again for listening to another rambly episode of your favorite podcast. Do mm-hmm. give us a follow, a review, and subscribe, uh, and rate. And, <laughs> I'll just say thing. what you're saying in different yeah. words. <laughs> so whichever of those versions works for you, you do that specific you action. You do you, hon. <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you next week with another sensational character. And I'm really looking forward to it. This was mm-hmm. a fun one. It was. Uh, yeah, so feedback can be delivered to hello at she's having an episode.com. Please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Especially with characters you love, because we have already been getting some great recommendations and they are creeping up on our list. Get them in while you can. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>